Swivel. Hey guys, I'm Jaden and I'm a mum to two beautiful little girls, Georgia who's three and Maria who's two. But as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. So I'm bringing in my mum friends to co-host alongside me through the series. Each week we try and entertain and support mums who are going through the shitty hard times to hopefully make you laugh and support you in your journey with motherhood. Today, I have with me my on-air producer, Lauren, who juggles being a kick-ass journalist alongside being a young mum. Lauren helps me with research and keeps the show from going off the rails. Hello, I'm Lauren and I've got a son who is almost two and I'm also pregnant with my second child at the moment. And on the podcast, we talk to lots of experts who do a deep dive into the issues that affect us as mums and hope by sharing this alongside our own stories, we can help mums feel like they are validated and appreciated. Join us for a whirlwind of an episode this week on Mummy Village. So today we're going to be talking about prenatal depression, which is something I experienced personally with Georgia, my first, and I'd never heard of it before. So I'm super excited to touch on this topic. But before we get into it, we should probably explain a little bit about us. So I live in Sydney and my on-air producer here lives in rural South Australia. Yeah, that's right. So we're very different people and we lead very different lives, I will say. But ultimately we have a (laughs) lot in common because of motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive into where you are though, Lauren. I feel like our listeners need to know a bit of background because for someone like myself who was highly anxious through my pregnancy with Georgia, my first, I would never be able to live in a rural town, not being close to a hospital. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of backstory on what you're going through now with your pregnancy. I suppose rurally it's just a different experience. Like you're very close to hospitals and everything's sort of at your doorstep in a sense. Whereas for me, the closest hospitals you can't give birth at. So I've got to drive a little bit further. Wait, wait, wait. What's a little (laughs) bit further, Lauren? (laughs) A little bit further (laughs) is like 80 kilometres away. So yeah. Yeah. If there was an emergency and an ambulance needed to be called, that the ambulance service locally is run by volunteers. So oh, they got what? To, they got to come from their house to the ambulance centre, then to your house. So, so you don't even have a, a paramedic. You've got a volunteer. Yeah. So how do they few, know what to do? There's probably a few paid paramedics in the community, like paid by SA Health or something like that. I'm not entirely sure how that works. But Wait volu- a second. Volunteer paramedics do get training. So. Wait a second. You're telling me mm. that an ambulance rocks up to your place uh-huh. and you don't even know if this person's able to even help you because it's a volunteer. <laughs> no. They're no, tra- I can't. They're, they're trained. So, like, my, my uncle is one. He volunteers with the ambulance service in town. Yeah. And his Could wife. I rely on your uncle to help yeah. save my life? Yeah, absolutely. He's done like more than like your basic first aid training. Like they go through more training than, you know, oh your average God. civilian on the street because they need to wow. know these things. Yeah. Like that's, that's, <clears throat> that is. 
it works wow. the same it's works the same way as like volunteer firefighters really like a lot yeah, of but the- that's like putting out water Lauren. <laughs> Yeah, like I could be a volunteer <laughs> firefighter. Yes, you could, but you still get training. They, there's strategy oh, no, to I it. I can't. I can't. That's there's strategy. Yeah, no to wonder you're so nonchalant. <laughs> like that's. Can you imagine me with my anxiety? Yeah. Fuck. No way. Well, like, there's be been like, a couple of times where you're like, "Yeah, I called the ambulance this morning," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like it just wouldn't even occur to me to do that. <laughs> oh my no my husband's but, like don't call the ambulance I'm like call the ambulance because there's something not right and he's like Jaden she's perfectly fine I'm like call the ambulance the ambulance gets here and they're like I feel like we need to fine. we definitely need to unpack this more at some point because I think we do too because like I don't definitely know definitely like something I, on anxiety there <laughs> there's definitely some past trauma there or something maybe I need to debrief it with Letitia yeah, there's been a That's couple of gold. times where I'm like, right, well, I won't be telling Jaden <laughs> then what I would have to do in an emergency situation because she would freak. I would. Uh, I would absolutely freak. Well, our listeners don't know, like, you actually yes, live on a beautiful farm. What's the likelihood of you <laughs> that you may just give birth next to a sheep? Very low, Jaden. But I will say all the farmers well, are basically ask. midwives in their own right because they help their sheep give birth <laughs> at the start. Oh, my God. At the start of the year, like during lambing time. We're giving birth to animals just with two legs, not four. Well, we have so many things yeah. in common and you're right. Like, you know, jokes aside, I think it's incredible how all over the world everyone's giving birth yeah. in such different places and in different situations and it's just wild. <laughs> uh, so I think we should start this episode by explaining a little bit about you, Jaden, particularly around your mum. And the reason we're going to do that <laughs> is because later on you're going to be sharing your experience with prenatal depression and how it brought up a heap of stuff around your childhood. So did you perhaps want to start by telling everyone what she is best remembered for? She was the eldest housemate back in the days of 2006 on Big Brother and she is my biggest trigger, my biggest love, my biggest teacher. We literally have been through it all and when I was pregnant with Georgia, a lot of stuff came up for me with my mum, a lot of triggers, a lot of PTSD to say the least. And bless my mum, she didn't even understand Mm. at the time or realise But I just remember feeling like this absolute resentment towards her and I pretty much didn't speak to her throughout Mm. my pregnancy, Mm. like here and there. That's a pretty big thing to say that you don't want your mum around when you're pregnant and you're having Mm. a child. Mum had me when she was 21. She was with my father at the time. He was a bit naughty and she decided when she gave birth to me to raise me on her own. And a bit of background, like we're Greek and having a daughter out of wedlock well, was really taboo. My grandparents were very well known in the area. They had a chicken shop. So they also had like a, a Greek club. Mm-hmm. We call it a cuffinil. And when she told my grandmother that, you know, she was having a baby, she wasn't that supportive. But my grandfather was like, no, you need to keep it. 
we're going to support you no matter what. And my grandmother, when my mum had me, my grandmother used to go around and say to people, <laughs> she was a widow. Just Like they used to say, oh, where's Jaden's dad? <laughs> and my, my mother would hear my grandmother say, she's a widow. And my mother, just insane. being very blunt and, and like no <laughs> shit's given, right? She's like, no, I'm not a widow. I chose to leave him. And I chose to raise her on my own. And my grandmother would just want the world to swallow her up. So there, there's lots of love and enmeshment with my mum. She she became my best friend at a really young age. My grandparents were very much my mum and dad. They helped my mum raise me. And my mum mm-hmm. was a working mum. So she ran her own business. She's a very confident, strong individual. And... That meant giving me everything meant that she needed to be at work all the time and I had to be with my grandparents. So it was a double-edged sword. I didn't have my mum around, but I had everything I ever wanted, Mm. but I didn't have my mum. So that created a lot of abandonment stuff for me and a lot Mm. of anger and resentment. There were lots of broken promises. So my mum would say, on the weekend, Mm. we'll go X, Y, Z, and I would hang onto that. And- it would come the weekend and she just wouldn't turn up or she'd be too tired or she'd be hungover. Like I'm talking around when I was nine years old, she would leave me at my grandmother's and then she'd say, yep, I'll come and pick you up tomorrow. And then she wouldn't come and I'd call her and then I'd have to call everyone around and be like, where's my mom? Have you seen my mom? She didn't really realize the impact that Mm. that had on me. And that's a lot of stuff that we've been working through in the past couple of years if I'm being honest like I'm 33 now so this goes back to when I was nine and this is the stuff that really follows me through with my motherhood journey with Georgia and Maria and if I say something to the girls I really have to follow through with it because there was so much inconsistency growing up with me she sounds like she has a very independent personality and I think that affected the way that she raised you, of course. She's seeing me now with my kids and how I am and it was only yesterday actually that she she said to me twice, when I picked up Georgia, my eldest, she said to me, you are doing such an incredible job with your daughter. Your consistency and your way of parenting with her is something I wish I had done with you. So you're doing a really beautiful job. And that for me, like I told my husband straight away, and even my husband was like, I know how yeah. much that would have meant to yeah, you. Yeah, that's such a powerful statement. Like it really to come from your mum. And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think there has been that sense of and which my mum says breaks her heart to hear it, but it's mm. my reality. And it is like a sense of I'm not good enough for you. Like nothing I ever do is good enough. Like you've always got to make a comment or you've always got to say something. And that for me, hearing those words from her, I was like, yeah, amazing. Your mum was on Big Brother in 2006. Yes. And how old were you at the time? 17. Wow. I was a baby. Back then you... They were getting penalised <laughs> for giving messages to the outside world. Okay. So they weren't allowed to do that. But I said to mum, she had these beautiful Giuseppe Zanotti shoes on and she used to wear them all the time. And I was like, mum, 
if you miss me, because we were so close, Lauren, like she was my bestest friend the whole wide world. Yeah. And I was like, if, when you go in, wear them in the shower and you will tell me that you're missing me and I'll know. And she's like, fuck, I can't do that, Jane. I'll break my bloody neck. And anyway, <laughs> the first time I ever saw her cry was on national television. So I was getting really worried about her because I was like, oh, my God, is she okay? <laughs> she had a huge blowout with David, the farmer. And I was watching one episode of Big Brother and it went viral because she was in a bikini with her high heels on, her Giuseppe's, in the shower. <laughs> with, and then she yeah. slipped. She completely goes for a stack and she goes, oh. And all you can hear is, oh. I almost broke my fucking neck. <laughs> and you can still Google it. Oh, my gosh. If you actually gosh. get it on YouTube, it's hilarious. Yeah, you know what? I will actually put that on our Instagram for the people that want to see it and that can't find it. Yeah. It's just hilarious. So mum and I, so there you go, mum and I, you know, we're very, very close. We've been through a hell of a lot together. The foundations are we love each other to pieces and there's been yeah. there's been a lot of hurt mm. on both parts. You know, I'm 33. I think of the times with my with Georgia, my eldest, or even Maria, my youngest, and I think if they had said anything to me along the lines of what I've said to my mum in a rage, I'd be gutted. You know, imagine Finnan saying, I hate you and I wish you weren't my mum. Yeah. And I used to warrant my behaviour because of I used to think, no, but if you just were this way, I wouldn't have to be this way to you. And it's like, well, I think mm. it comes to a stage for me anyway, personally, and I don't know about our listeners, but for me, I've really got to take responsibility for, for my stuff too. Okay, so I think now that we've prefaced the topic with a bit about where you've come from, tell us about your experience with prenatal depression. So I got pregnant six months into meeting my husband, which was super soon. But it was planned because I really wanted to be a young mom and he's a keeper. And I said to him, look, it's, it's probably not going to happen for a really long time. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. So we started practicing and I fell pregnant six months in. <laughs> and at the time I had a successful hair salon. Yep. And, you know, I was doing 12-hour days prior to falling yep, pregnant prior. and I started to gain quite a lot of weight and my obstetrician was telling me that I needed to slow down my hours and I was like, yep, 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 yep. I didn't slow down my hours. And she said, look, Jaden, you're carrying quite a bit of weight. It's sitting in your hips and you either need to think about closing shop or we're looking at complications. And I think at that point, I just felt the world cave in because I was making really good money and I was quite independent and mm. I think so many things were changing that I just couldn't keep up. I remember it was my birthday. I had turned 29 and Stelios had organised this incredible trip away to the Hunter Valley and I, I just started bawling my eyes out in the car and I'm like, I don't know, what are we doing? Like I've got to close the business. We've got to go on to your wage have we made the right decision? I don't even know if I want the baby. And he was like, whoa, like hold up. It's okay. And I'm like, I don't know if it's okay. 
And I went into my inner child and just really got so scared. And I felt a lot of grief. And then I was like, I shouldn't be feeling like this. And I don't want my life to change. And it's changing. And I miss my old life. And and then I went and made an appointment with my obstetrician. And I told her, like, this is what's happening. I'm feeling really flat. I know I'm high risk for postnatal because I have had anxiety and depression in the past. So I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, I think it's time that you just check in with a psychiatrist just so we can assess you. And I was like, oh my God, another appointment that I've got to go to. And I said, look, I'm just going to go on mat leave from now. So I went on mat leave, closed the business. And then from that, everything started hitting me. Like there's just one thing after the other. I was in so much pain, Lauren. I was in agony. I had physio appointments three days a week. Like it was fucked. It was so bad. And I just remember thinking, this is not glorious. This is shit. Like this is, and because, well, my placenta was at at the front, so I couldn't feel her. So you couldn't feel the baby kicking or anything? I couldn't feel her. And plus, like I'm carrying like 20 plus kilos. So I couldn't feel her. So that created more anxiety for me. So I was in and out of the freaking hospital for so long, like Mm -hmm every like third, fourth week. But I went and had an appointment with my psychiatrist and she was brilliant. She said, look, there's a lot changing for you right now hormonally. You've had to close your business. You've had a lot of pain physically and just with that itself can bring on depression. She said, I definitely think that you are suffering prenatal. And I was like, prenatal? And she's like, yeah, it's actually quite common with women in pregnancy because their whole lives change. So I just said to her, are you going to give me medication? Because I just couldn't add that to the anxiety that I was already feeling. So in hindsight, did you start to see more things that had happened to you or were happening to you that were signs of prenatal once you realised what was happening to you? Yeah, I think it was more so the mood for me. Nothing was joyful. I had time off work, which I had wanted for a really long time. I was completely burnt out from work, but I just couldn't see the positives. I could not see the positives in anything. And because I was in so much physical pain and weight's been such a big thing for me, I've got my own issues around weight. And although I had this little miracle growing inside me, I couldn't see the positives at that time in my life. Were there any other symptoms that really stood out to you? Yeah. I am a very social person. I didn't really want to see anyone. Everyone was really excited for me, but I was not excited. I just felt numb. I didn't want to get out of bed. I had disconnected from my husband as well. I was just like, just get away. I want everyone away from me. I remember packing our house because we were moving in the midst of this as well. And I saw a photo of my grandmother I remember looking at her and just bawling my eyes out. Like It was like I was grieving her death without her even, like it was just wild. Like these emotions were just wild. And I was howling and howling and howling. And it was at that moment that I knew that I was grieving and I was grieving a life that I thought at the time I was losing. So once you were diagnosed with prenatal depression, Jaden, and you saw you'd seen your psychiatrist a few times, did you also start seeing a counsellor as well on a regular basis? 
Yeah, I did. Through the time that I was pregnant with Georgia, I was seeing Letitia. I was probably seeing her once a fortnight. Um, and that was basically to talk about, you know, what was going on for me in my mind, just to break down the barriers of what was coming up for me with my mum and, and with the fear of not becoming um, a good parent and the fear of, I had this real fear of loss. I thought I was going to lose her and my husband. Um, so just like breaking the conditioning um, and finding the tools to help with that. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I was going to ask. Did she, mm. did she help you create like a plan, give you tools that you needed to sort of yeah. deal with it at the time? Yeah, she definitely did. And believe it or not, they were so simple, Lauren. Like, you know, have a shower. I was like, oh, fuck, I just don't want to. She's like, you have to. You have to get up and you have to have a shower. And then you can go back to bed if you want. But from there, eat something. And, you know, it, it was the little things like, you know, um, brush your teeth, um, watch a favourite show, go and get a massage, go and get your hair done because, you know, I, I love getting my hair done, um, you know, a blow dry or go and do a 15-minute walk with Stelios. It doesn't have to be half an hour, Stelios being my husband, like it doesn't have to be half an hour. It doesn't need to be an hour, five minutes if you can, like just get outside, you know, go and sit on the balcony or go and sit in, the, in your backyard and just get some vitamin D. They were real simple things. But I think the main thing for me was, which I still use to this day, and it's basically um, when I can feel really overwhelmed and I can feel my breathing getting quite like heavy, I have to go back to three things I can see, feel, hear. So that's a grounding technique that, you know, it it helps to just bring bring me back to the present because my mind can go rapid and I can go into the what ifs and then blah, 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 blah. like it's just wild where my mind yeah. can go at times. So that grounding technique mm-hmm. is incredible and also um, some breathing exercises. I think the breathing exercises for me have been number one. Um, even, you know, my husband today, Stelios, is like, go back to your breathing. Come on, breathing, breathe, breathe. And I'm like, okay. <sighs> yeah. So, Jaden, you mentioned that, like, one of the things that you experienced was just this fear that you were going to lose your husband mm. and lose your child. Like, where does where does <laughs> that even come from? Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty wild and it sounds pretty crazy to hear, but... Um, I think it comes down to, not I think, it definitely came down to self-love and self-acceptance and um, self-respect. Um, a lot of things that I have lacked over the years with, you know, past abusive relationships and um, just, yeah, I really did not feel I was worthy of my husband or Georgia. And I remember, I remember having Georgia in my arms and looking at my husband and saying, I don't deserve any of this. And I think it's best that I just leave and you take Georgia and, <clears throat> um, and I should just probably go back to what I know best, you know, screwing everything up. So I remember looking at his face and him going, what? Like you are the most incredible mother. And partner, like, what are you even saying? Mm. 
And it can sound ridiculous to say out loud, but like the this is what symptoms of this is, you know, like that's how. And and that's <laughs> it presents itself. It does, as silly and as you, it sounds. And I know when I'm when I'm feeling flat, or if I'm if I'm dipping, because those thoughts start coming back. But you know, to go back to your question, yeah, that's what it looks like for me. It, it, it was self love, and I'm still learning. You know, I'm still learning to self-love and to really embrace Stelios and my two kids. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, being imperfect is one of the, the biggest things. You know, like I've always shared my journey from the beginning, like on my socials and stuff, like just with like people that I know and the amount of messages that I had from people that were like, oh, my God, I would never, ever, ever share that. That's exactly what I went through when I had mine. And I'm like, why? Like, if you had have shared that, I wouldn't have felt probably as crazy as I felt, you know? Um, <laughs> but but everyone's so different. And I think that's why this podcast means so much to me because I really want people to know that it's okay not to be okay. And, you know, you can have your shit together whilst also being super scared and and not having your shit together. So today I'm super excited to introduce our first guest, Letitia Gorges, who is a psychologist and my very own therapist. Yes, I still see her today. She's going to talk us through perinatal depression and how she has dealt with parents who experience it, including me. Thank you so much for coming on. What is the difference between pre and postnatal depression and anxiety? So when we refer to say prenatal anxiety we're talking yeah. about the anxiety that will be suffered by a mummy and perhaps her partner in the period from conception mm. up to when the baby is born and then wow. when we talk about postpartum or postnatal anxiety we're talking about that period from birth and then when you, yeah, you mentioned okay. per- perinatal, we're talking about pre and post together. That whole complex period of a woman and her partner's life. And how long does postnatal last for? That's such a good question, Lauren, because you speak to any health professional that works in perinatal mental health and most of us will go well arguably it finishes when the baby turns one and perhaps that's got to do with funding we're not sure there's probably many reasons why they say okay here's the cutoff period but most of us that work within this field would say a child can be three and they can go my goodness I can see what I've been suffering from and do more people seek help for pre- or postnatal depression or is it a 50-50? Hard to put a figure on, but really good question. I think I will mm. I will attack the answer in this way. In Australia, there's some fantastic screening that's going on in hospitals and with obstetricians and GPs, they're on to it. So yeah. I think in the last eight years, there's been a real increase in pre, catching it, the prenatal, which is very, very important, getting some work done then. 
But I would say prior to that, we were catching things more postnatally if it was caught. We would probably wow. see that manifestation in the postnatal period. But in Australia, they're doing amazing things and our Panda and the Gidget Foundation are really onto it and the government's really backing up this area of mental health. So definitely That's now, awesome. prenatally, yeah, it's really good. I had prenatal and I didn't even know about prenatal. Uh, so postnatal was such a huge thing and I still feel is mm. such a huge thing. But yeah, it's been really important for me to get some awareness out there for prenatal because that was so foreign for me and so unexpected that I didn't even know it existed, to be honest. Mm. So and you as well, people in hindsight probably did suffer from prenatal but only yeah, knew totally. about postnatal. Yeah, only knew yeah. that it was okay to seek help after the baby w- had arrived. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. So what sort of flicked that switch in the medical profession to start working to recognize to get people to recognize prenatal depression and anxiety? I've had the privilege of doing some work with Dr. VJ Roach and he started up the Gidget oh, Foundation wow. with Simone Short. And then there was okay. an, an incredible psychiatrist who many years ago, Brian Barnett, who really got everyone talking about it. And then all of a sudden, some really good people got on, onto it with their personal stories and they just, they just drove this thing. And now we're in a really beautiful position where we're obviously not capturing one, but there's so many more people mm. are being captured and supported at, at this critical time prenatally. Oh, that's mm. awesome. And mm. what are some of the signs so that people can recognise that there may be an issue prenatally as opposed to postnatally? So it's the change in, in mood, uh, thought patterns might change, anxious thoughts might become more heightened and uncomfortable, sometimes prenatally, changes that, subtle changes, and, then, and, and for some people it's not so subtle. They have flashbacks of maybe complex trauma in childhood and, and perhaps they haven't had help along the way. And when you start to think about your journey as being a parent, so from conception, these parents might get excited and I'm going to be a parent. And then all of a sudden, what they haven't processed becomes so much to the fore and it can have a big impact on their mood. How do you approach working with new parents who have sought your help? Usually you may have a social worker in one of the hospitals that has flagged someone and so we'll have a conversation with them. All these people form this lovely safety net that hopefully these mummies and expectant daddies can free fall back into. So perhaps a social worker, a lot of GPs are flagging things now so it's having a conversation and looking at what's come up. They might set up their patient with a mental health plan. Sometimes there are other people that these expectant mums and dads have had contact with and we all have a conversation before we get started. It's, it's such a sensitive period. You want to just make sure as a psychologist or a psychiatrist, someone might come into their space in the perinatal period, prenatal period and you might see a lot of things that are going on, mm. but you've got to work out what's the most important thing now. Where are they at? So what can we work at in a way to help strengthen them rather than to increase their fragility and then making sure that you 
hold the space enough for them to feel strong. Don't give them too much to work on at that time because it's a very sensitive period. I can totally back that with you because I feel in all my sessions that I've had with you personally, I've always walked out feeling a sense of strength and a little less of, oh, okay, I'm not that fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this is sort of normal. When I do walk out, and it's true, Lauren, I'll walk out of a session and I'll sometimes I'll be going to the session and going, oh, I don't really have much to talk about. I was feeling a bit flat, but it is what it is. And then I'd get in the session and I'll be like, verbal diarrhea. And then <laughs> there was one thing that you said to me, Alicia, that I absolutely love, which is you're a Ferrari, but there's no point in having a Ferrari and not knowing how to drive it properly. And I love that. a good that one. <laughs> because yeah. it was, it's amazing. It's so good because I think it goes back to what you just said. As a, as a professional, it's your duty and it's your job to, to look at everything that you're, that's presenting itself, but to be gentle and tread carefully but n- nurture what you have yeah. in front of you yeah. and take step by yeah. step. And I think that's really important for our listeners because there probably will be a few listeners that are going, I can really relate to that or, yeah, I feel a bit of that, but I just don't want to go and see someone. I don't want to make that admission. And it's okay. It's a safe space. You're not going to be walking out feeling, oh, my God, I'm 10 times worse than what I, yeah. yeah. So I think that that's really great. And we're currently working together and we're in yes, sessions we together are. now. And it's been three and a half years post. My fear was definitely around motherhood and my mum, obviously. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of insight on how you've helped me unpack my fear around motherhood? Yeah. Well, I think we kind of went gently, but you, Jaden, you came with a lot of tools because you're very insightful. Mm. So you're saying we came here three and a half years later. We're unpacking something quite different because... It couldn't be unpacked in the perinatal period because the focus was to just on motherhood, just on being the best you can be with those babies. And we didn't need to go down a rabbit hole and then take the focus off what you really wanted to and needed to achieve at that time. What did we do? We focused on what what you wanted to achieve as a mum. We focused on how much you love your mum and how much you understand your mum but you wanted to do things differently and you wanted to meet your babies where you wanted to be met as a child. So there was a real healing process for you by giving your kids what you actually needed. So I think we did a lot of that sort of work and a lot of noticing, but you're doing that. And why are you aiming at perfection? Yeah, there every was a lot time of that. You ma- a lot of that. And every time you made a mistake, it's, wow, you're human. But for you... Being perfectionistic, mm. it, it was quite unravelling for you. That that means I'm terrible. No, it doesn't. That means that your kids can learn resilience because you're trying to do the best and you're going to come back and you're going to say, I'm sorry, I was feeling this way. And then know that yeah, you always totally. come back and, and fix, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of unpacking about what motherhood meant and, and what you were trying to achieve. And it looks different for everyone, but you came in with a, a real idea of how you didn't want it to look, but also some incredible standards of how you it had to look. And so there was enormous anxiety around being perfect. 
and we had to attack we had to attack the perfectionism didn't we <laughs> we're still learning that <laughs> yeah perfectly yeah. imperfect yeah we look at the full context of human experience and that's you got to understand what's happening with how you're eating how you're exercising what your relationships are do you mm. breathe properly what does anxiety look like? physiologically and once you get a really deep understanding of how the human mind brain body the whole connection works you have a better way of your curiosity is peaked and so you have a better understanding of well this is what's going on that's right we discussed that in session of course I'm anxious I'm triggered by this and it's not always like that in the moment but if you if you do understand how the Ferrari works you can change gear pretty well are there things that you recommend that people do to feel encouraged and uplifted on a day-to-day basis so i guess you could kind of have a have a general list of the whole the full context of the human hygiene in terms of sleep and time for contemplation and exercise and what are you eating and and who are you socializing with okay so in that context it would be when you wake in the morning, have a few moments of gently getting into the day and really watching your breathing, doing some gorgeous nasal breaths so that you can actually open up the nervous system. Start gently instead of just hitting the ground with the thoughts scrambled. Making sure that you move your body because the mind functions so much better when the body has moved. You've got more endorphin, and so your your sympathetic nervous system is where anxiety is attached to that. It's going to be a little bit more settled if you exercise more. Are you a sociable person? Even if introverted, extroverted, you want to have some nice contact with people. Who are you having contact with? Some people will say, I feel so isolated. Yeah, without connection, you want to factor that into your day. Yeah, that's great. But also... Reminding mums that connecting with their toddler isn't the same. <laughs> you know, some, right. Sometimes yep. you want to have an adult conversation in your day. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. I feel like exactly. really affects my mood when I don't. I'm the same. It does, I'm exactly right? the same. Well, we're not meant to be raising and actually... these babies on our own, are we? No, it's a village. And for me, my biggest thing was I had so many people around me with my yeah. first but I felt so lonely. I just yeah. felt so isolated, even though I did have my family around me, but I never left the house. I didn't yeah. leave because I was constantly around the clock pumping. So I either had my boob out 24-7 or yeah. I was unshowered because I was trying to get my milk in and then she had really bad reflux and she wouldn't stop crying and it was just a shit show the whole time. Yeah. We used to live on top of Harris Farm and – I remember my auntie saying to me, just put some clothes on and go downstairs. Literally, we shared the elevator with Harris Farm. And I went downstairs and just seeing people in the supermarket and seeing the buzz, I was like, oh. Seeing and feeling it, right? It does. It makes such a difference. Letitia, going on from that as well, what would you say to listeners who are worried that they're experiencing symptoms what do they do where do they go from here firstly you want to be letting the people in your village know if you don't have a big village because of circumstance get to your gp 
Get to your GP. They're a great support and they can really make things happen in, in terms of forming that support network. And if you have a tiny inkling that you're just not feeling you, it does not hurt to go and speak to the GP. I think we need to also remember that other mums know exactly what you're going through in some capacity yeah. and we shouldn't yes, be afraid to talk to our mum friends as no. well. If you have a mum friend who perhaps has a baby the same age as yours but has an older child, then they know it's okay. Yeah, true. <laughs> you can talk yeah, to them. True. Mm. And do you have any other resources that you would recommend for people to either look up on Google so, or... Yeah, absolutely. The Panda website, yep. absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And the Gidget Foundation website is just stock full of tips and... Yeah, it's incredible. ...groups and, and, and it's a fanta- fantastic resource. Start with those two, but definitely get to your GP. It's a big journey and there's some pain in that journey, but... There's huge opportunity for growth if you can actually get the village around you and be nurtured at that time and work through this stuff. It's not meant to be done on your own, just not. No, and can I ask Letitia, if there's anyone listening that lives in Sydney that's really resonated with the way that you approach things, where can they find you? I have a webpage. I'm in Castle Crag and I'm called the Castle Crag Practice. And, and also, I mean, if they're looking for any perinatal psychologist, they can just get on the, the APS website and they'll have a huge listing of, of who's available. And we'll put all your details up as well for anyone that wants to reach out to Letitia themselves and if they've got any questions, um, they can speak to you directly or write in to us as well. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, I'll see you during the week. (laughs) You will. You will. I love listening to everything you have to say, honestly. Everything makes so much more sense. Doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. You you girls need to remember that you're part of the healing process because you're getting your stories out there too and you're allowing people to go, hey, this is real. This This is a part of life. You're kind of like bringing it out there to people and so that's fantastic as well yeah we don't want to make anyone feel guilty or shameful for what they're feeling it's just it's so normal and we can talk about it and yeah that's that's what we get you on here for so yeah thank you so much we appreciate it and um we'll, we'll let you go i love working with her she asks questions and then she gives me insight Like if I sit there and go, I just don't know why this is constantly reoccurring, she'll go, well, wait a second, let's stop. And let's just sit in that space for a bit. And then she breaks it down and then I'm like, oh, I get that. Okay, Mm -hmm. so next time maybe I'll approach it this way so the same sort of behaviour isn't repeating itself. So, yeah, she's amazing and she's really gentle and I'm someone that needs to be nurtured and I've Mm -hmm. been very fortunate to find my people and my village and I feel really grateful that she came on and gave our listeners some insight into her work yeah well just even her mentioning Gidget House as well has me excited to talk to them more so excited yeah 
Okay, we should probably wrap this up. So thanks for being on this journey with me today, Lauren. It's been no real. worries. And to all the moms out there listening, yeah. thank you so much for tuning in. Absolutely. It's really important that um, we get this message out to them and, yeah, share our own experiences. If you want to learn more about prenatal or perinatal depression, please visit the Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia website at panda.org.au. You can also contact Gidget House, who provide free individual psychological counselling services for new and expectant parents. And we are going to chat Gidget House in a couple of weeks, so tune in for episode three for that. We will also have a list of additional resources about the topic on our website and blog at mummyvillage.co or follow the link in our bio on Instagram at mummyvillagepod. If you have any questions at all, please send us a DM. We'd love to connect with you. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favourite listening app to keep up to date for when we launch our next episode. So please tune in for that as we're going to have an awesome discussion next week about VBACs, which stands for a vaginal birth after caesarean. For those that are wondering what the hell that is, I myself discussed my journey and what it was like, as well as a special guest joining me who you may or may not have heard of. Keep an ear out and an eye out on socials for clues on who that may be. But until then, I'm Jaden. And I'm Lauren. And you've been listening to the Mummy Village podcast. Remember, we love you and it's definitely acceptable to feed your child baked beans for dinner tonight. Bye. Bye. Swivel.